Caution. The contents of this podcast may be historical, but they're still served piping hot. We're brewing up the classics here on the Coffeehouse Classical Music Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Coffeehouse Classical Music Podcast. My name is Asa. And I'm Allison. Today on the Coffeehouse, we begin a short series on one of the most important classical era Austrian composers ever to put Quill to the staff. Nope, not Mozart. We've done him already. (laughs) This time, we're spending a bit of quality time with Franz Joseph Haydn. Buckle in, biography lovers, because this one's for you, and we'll take a deep dive into Haydn's style and a couple of his works in the next few episodes, so stay tuned. Franz Joseph Haydn was born in 1732 in the town of Rochrau, Austria. He wasn't born to noble parents. His father was a wheelwright and his mother a simple cook for the village lords. Neither parent could read written music. However, his father was an avid folk musician who had reportedly impressive self-taught harp skills. Perhaps because of his father's musical affinity, young Joseph displayed impressive skills of his own and, at the age of six, was discovered by the choir master of a school in the nearby city of Hainburg, named Johann Mathis Frank. Frank immediately knew that Haydn would be an incredible musician and took him to live in his household in equally humble circumstances. It was here that Haydn began his education in earnest, primarily working on his choral skills and practicing in the church choir where he sang treble. It was here in Hainburg when he was eight years old that he was discovered by Georg von Rutter, the esteemed musical director of St. Stephen's Cathedral in Vienna. In 1740, he was whisked away to the Austrian capital to serve as the chorister, meaning a young person singing the treble part, in the choir of Austria's most important church. An incredible break for someone of his age. Young Haydn lived in the Kapellhaus, next to the cathedral, along with four other choir boys, as well as the entire Rutter family. Alongside his singing, he received some instruction in other scholarly subjects such as Latin, as well as keyboard and the violin. But despite the musical talent present at St. Stephen's, Haydn disappointingly only received two lessons on music theory and composition in his entire nine years as a chorister. However, it is apparent that he simply assimilated some of the knowledge present at the cathedral, despite his benefactor's reluctance to personally instruct him. As soon as his voice changed in 1749, he was swiftly expelled from his position, with the Empress Maria Theresa herself famously referring to Joseph Haydn's changing voice as crowing, and briefly thrown to the mercy of the Viennese streets. Fortunately, he swiftly found accommodations with a fellow musician and friend and began the arduous journey towards his eventual fame by busking as a street musician and working odd jobs as a music teacher and accompanist, among others. It was his job as an accompanist where Haydn finally learned the fundamentals of composition, from the Italian composer Nicola Popora, who employed him as an accompanist for his voice lessons. 
This assisted the fledgling Haydn in correcting his early compositions. Haydn also spent countless hours studying the works of earlier pedagogists such as Johann Joseph Fuchs, from whose Gradus ad Parnassum he learned the fundamentals of counterpoint. He also diligently absorbed the works of C.P.E. Bach, playing them over and over on his own keyboard. Now, I think it is somewhat incredible in this age of incredible musical talent that a child prodigy apparently so noticed and revered by his benefactors was as lacking in his professional studies as Haydn was. Unlike Mozart, for example, he had no accomplished composer father or sister to travel and tour with. He was no Johann Christian Bach and was not groomed as a high-caliber composer from his youngest years. However, his strenuous and largely self-taught regimen finally started to yield results as he began to garner public recognition in his freelance years leading up to 1756. His first published composer credit was on the opera The Limping Devil, or Der Krumme Teufel, which successfully premiered in 1753. He then began to work both as a singer and as a supplemental court musician for the court in Vienna, although as yet without any official patronage. He also discovered that some of the works that he had given away for free were beginning to get published and sold in local music shops, although without any proceeds given to the still freelancing Haydn. It was in 1756, at 24 years old, that Haydn finally received the aristocratic patronage that he was desperately needing. He was engaged by the Baron Karl Joseph Frunberg as the music teacher and his court musician. At Frunberg's country estate, Haydn performed chamber music and wrote his first string quartets for the instrumentalists there. Haydn finally became a Kapellmeister in 1758 for Count Ferdinand Maximilian von Moritz, where he was put in charge of a 16-person orchestra. It was for this small orchestra that the father of the symphony wrote his very first symphonies, perhaps dozens, though most no longer survive. He also entered into an unhappy marriage with Maria Anna Theresa Keller, a fruitless endeavor which ultimately produced no children. In addition to his symphonies, Haydn wrote several divertimenti for winds and strings. It has been said by Haydn's scholars that although these early works are still quite conventional, they were imbued with a sparkle and inventive spirit that would soon mark Haydn as one of the most important figures of the classical era. It was not long after Haydn's appointment to Moritz that the Count came upon financial difficulties, and once again he was dismissed. However, Haydn almost immediately landed on his feet when he was invited to enter the service of Prince Paul and Tal Esterhazy. The Esterhazy name carried with it considerable wealth and resources, and in 1761, Haydn was appointed to the position of assistant conductor at Antal's castle at Eisenstadt. The Eisenstadt Orchestra already boasted a well-appointed cadre and a distinguished record of performance. As the assistant conductor, Haydn conducted the orchestra in its daily rehearsals, composed almost all the secular music, and oversaw the orchestra's personnel. He conducted himself with tact and displayed his characteristic humor and wit as he continued to improve and begin to excel in his composition. The Esterhazy patronage would prove decisive for Haydn, and he would remain in their employ until his death. Haydn finally attained musical directorship of the Esterhazy court in 1766. At this point, he was 34, and if we were to compare to Mozart, this would mean Mozart was on his deathbed. 
The late Prince Antal's brother Miklos, or Niklas in German, clearly appreciated Haydn's talent and Haydn would provide him more than 150 compositions for the prince's preferred instrument, the cello-like baritone. Haydn would work directly for Prince Niklas for close to 30 years. He would make frequent visits to Vienna as part of the prince's retinue and developed a close friendship with Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart there. Both composers were inspired by each other. The younger Mozart declared that he had learned everything about writing quartets from Haydn, and even dedicated a set of six to him. In turn, Haydn's own music remained flexible and open to the new ideas that Mozart brought to the table. Now, often composers in this era come to be remembered and revered in earnest long after their death. This was not the case with Haydn. From the 1760s onward, under the Esterhazy patronage, he swiftly matured and began gathering acclaim throughout Austria and the rest of Europe. His works from this period were widely disseminated, this time correctly attributed and sold, amongst the aristocratic patrons in Italy, Austria, and Germany, and it was clear that the star composer had finally hit his stride. He would write sacred music from solo hymns to hundred-person masses. He wrote secular quartets, symphonies, operas, and everything in between. His output somewhat followed the hobbies of Prince Nicholas. Once exhausted by the baritone, the prince took up opera, and so from 1775 onward, Haydn would add operatic coordination and composition to his already back-breaking workload. In 1779, Haydn's contract was renegotiated, and he was allowed to write for others outside the Esterhazy family and sell his works to publishers. His set of six quartets, Opus 33, set a new standard for the genre in Vienna and almost immediately put his competitors out of business, except Mozart. Widening his audience also resulted in a commission from Paris to compose the seminal set of symphonies, 82 to 87, aptly known as the Paris Symphonies. Not to be outdone by the Parisians, he was contracted by Johann Peter Salomon, a German violinist living in London, who invited him to perform in jolly old England and compose and conduct new symphonies with a large English orchestra. Haydn's fame preceded him, and in 1791 he was met with immediate success in London, absolutely dominating the concert scene there. He made a second visit in 1794 to packed concert halls where he electrified audiences with his performances. To the delight of musical Englishmen, Haydn wrote a series of symphonies specifically for performance on the London stages, and 12 to be exact, across his two visits, which was double the number written for the Parisians. It is said that these London symphonies represent the pinnacle of Haydn's orchestral output and where he earned the moniker Papa Haydn, Father of the Symphony. On the way home from his first visit, he met a young Ludwig von Beethoven in Bonn, Germany, and agreed to move him to Vienna to receive instruction with Haydn himself. Haydn may have been as prophetic as he was prolific, for in a letter to Beethoven's patron in 1793, Haydn stated, quote, Beethoven will one day be considered one of Europe's greatest composers, and I shall be proud to be called his teacher. After this prolific London period, Haydn returned to Vienna to once more serve the Esterhazy family under its new head, Prince Nikolaus II. In this later Viennese period, he rediscovered a passion for oratorios and completed his masterwork, The Creation, in 1797, which then and now performed to massive success. This inspired him to write another oratorio, The Seasons, in 1801, that wasn't as well received, 
in part due to its naturally inspired musical imagery. Though seen as old-fashioned by Haydn's contemporaries, this style of tone painting in programmatic music would soon become wildly popular, thanks in part to one of Haydn's own pupils, Ludwig van Beethoven. Haydn remarked that the seasons broke his back, and indeed from 1802 onward, he wrote no more works on the same scale. In 1809, Vienna was besieged by La Grande Armée of Napoleon Bonaparte, who held such respect for Haydn that he placed a guard of honor outside Haydn's inner city house. Papa Haydn died peacefully on May 31st, 1809. And of course, we will be paying our respects to Papa Haydn by having this extended mini-series. We will, of course, be looking at a few of his works in our upcoming episodes, so definitely make sure you tune into those. And if you know anybody else who might be interested in learning a little bit more about Haydn, be sure to share this podcast with them. We're always loving to have new listeners and hearing your experiences. You can leave a review on iTunes or Google Play and follow us on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. For the Coffeehouse Classical Music Podcast, I'm Asa. And I'm Allison. Thank you so much for listening. The String Quartet in G Major was performed by the musicians from Marlboro String Quartet. You can find The Coffee House on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe. Follow us on Facebook or Instagram. Email us at coffeehouseclassical at gmail.com. Mm-hmm.